morning. Come on, who's excited to worship this morning? Come on, let's stand. We're going to give God all the praise and all the glory. Amen. Come on, we sing this out. There is no shadow. There is no shadow that is ever.
we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that there's nothing that we have to do to earn your love, God. You just pour it out on us. Even when we mess up, even when we sin, God, you're still there with your arms open, just waiting. Your love is just so good and so deep.
They don't give you the, the glory you deserve. keeper because that is who that's our understanding Lord you are so far above that who is man that you would accept our praise Lord who are we that you would accept us as we are in order to grow us into who we are to become that is a gift that's such a gift oh Jesus to Redeeming Love. You're welcome to take a seat. Here at 
redeeming love. We have a vision to engage God, engage church, and engage culture. One of the ways that we engage with you is through our engage cards. You were handed one as you came in, and those of you who are watching today, welcome. We welcome you as well to this family of faith. And you can fill out an engage card as well if you just go onto our website, www.redeeminglove.church, redeeminglovechurch.org. But we ask that you fill these out right now. It is very important that you fill them out. And across the front, of course, is a lot of personal information. And on the back is room for your prayer requests and your prayer praises. And we want you to know that, um, I want to remind you that the people who see this card, it is very kept very confidential. It isn't just passed around. It isn't just out there. It is only seen by our prayer leaders who are praying over your requests. So don't hesitate to put down whatever your prayer request is. Nothing is too great for God to change. Nothing is too big for God to make small, for God to take care of. There's nothing. So why don't we go ahead and take a couple minutes to, to fill out that card. continue filling them out as we go through the announcements. Want to mark your calendars? There's a water baptism date that's been set for Sunday, May 7th. Sunday, May 7th. And the baptism class is on Sunday, April 16th for all who have signed up. And anyone who is interested, make sure and talk to Pastor Matt, Pastor Stacy, any of the prayer team. Just make sure and uh, let them know that you are interested in water baptism. Again, that date is May 7th, and the class is on April 16th. The third week of membership class is at 12 o'clock today in the Sequoia classroom in the Engage Kids Wing. So those of you who are joining in that the um, class, please make sure and join in in that third class. Right now we are going to, oh, Easter. <laughs> Easter is in three weeks. Praise God. He is still alive. He is still risen. He is still, no matter what happens in the world, Jesus is alive. He has come to life. He has, re, he has been resurrected from the dead. He has taken the keys to hell and death, and he reigns with his Father. Praise the Lord. Easter is always an incredible time. It's in three weeks. Can you believe it? We are having two services for Easter here at Redeeming Love, one at 9 a.m. and at 11 a.m., 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. So be praying about who you'll be inviting because that's a wonderful chance, wonderful opportunity to bring your neighbors and friends who may not know Jesus at all or may know Jesus a little bit or maybe have known Jesus a while back but kind of gave up. So think about who you can invite to introduce them once again to our Lord and Savior Jesus. Want to pray and dismiss the kids for Engage Kids, so please reach out your hands 
to all these kids in here. And Father, we just praise you for these kids. We thank you that life continues, that no matter what happens, these kids are our future. And we just pray, Lord, that you would instill yourself in their hearts and in their minds. You would guide teachers to say the right words, Lord, to say the right meanings, to, to make sure these kids understand who you are and to encourage them to live for you. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Kids, you're welcome to go to Engage Kids class. Pastor Matt is going to be bringing the next message in the sermon series, What is Man? After these announcements on the screens. church. How's everybody doing today? Wow, 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 wow. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. As we were worshiping, um, I was just impressed with the fact that God loves us. God loves us. I mean, obviously, we all should have been. God loves you. And so, no matter what the word is that's brought, last week it was about insecurity. We need to get rid of insecurity. It's because God loves you. That's why he wants you to get rid of insecurity. The week before, it's about identity. Who are you? And it's all because God loves you, and he wants better for you than you're currently experiencing. I said it's because he loves you, and he wants better for you than you're currently experiencing. He wants better for you than what your, your current reality is. Where you are at now, he's not okay with leaving you there. He wants you to bring you closer. He wants you to bring you further. He wants you to have it better. Yeah. Jesus came that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. That abundant life doesn't end. The, the, the increase of the abundant life does not end. Amen. If you've plateaued in the abundant life or if you've seen a drop off, that's not the will of God. Wow, that's good preaching right there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you what. You guys aren't going to amen me. I'll amen myself. It's okay. Come on. That's good stuff. If you have stopped seeing an increase in the abundant life, if it has plateaued, if it has shaved off, if it's dropped off, that's not God's will. That's not God's best. He wants no insecurity. He wants you to know fully who you are. And he wants you to go fully out into this world with all that you are and change the world with him and for him and help to bring the abundant life to someone else. I'm in so much trouble today. God help me. Who are you? What's your identity? Right? This is, this is uh, our message series here. What is man? The first message was, who are you? What's your identity? Who are you in Christ? Right? The second message was, who told you that? What lies have we believed? We need to get the lies out. We need to get rid of insecurity so that we can walk in the fullness of our identity. Amen. 
We need to come to a place where we're comfortable with who we are. And this is so important. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm fucking laughing. The joy is just awesome. The, we have to come to a place where we are comfortable with who we are. Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in power and demonstration, you don't change. You know, there's, there's a certain portion of us who believe if I just get enough of the Holy Spirit, if I just get more of the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit just impacts me enough, then I'll be changed and I'll become a different person. Well, you'll, you'll be changed from glory to glory, but who you are in the core of your being doesn't change because God made you that way. So we got to learn to like ourselves. I'm preaching to somebody out there, and I think I'm preaching to more than one of you, and this is why I'm not getting any amens. Because this, this is the kind of stuff that when you preach, you don't get the amens when you're hitting the nail on the head. This is, like, this is the kind of stuff when you're preaching, it, it's like, uh, and you know you've hit the good one. They're listening everywhere. Some of us are just absorbing it. Today I need to talk to you about being ambassadors for Christ. Because that's who we are. Today I need to talk to you, what is man? What is man? What is man? We're ambassadors for Christ. Okay, we say that all the time. Christian lingo, what does it mean? What is, so, okay, so what does that mean? So, 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 so what? Like, I'm not an ambassador in the natural, so what does that mean in the spiritual? I don't even know what that means in the natural. I might see them. Does, mean, does that mean that I get to park wherever I want on the street when I go downtown Troy and I don't have to pay for parking and like just, you know, parking? That's what ambassadors do? Is that, is that right? No. We'll go and I'm going to, if you haven't seen all these messages, the three weeks, all three weeks, they're all blending together. And if you haven't seen weeks one and two, you got to go and watch them. They're on Facebook. You can listen to the, the auto messages on, on the website. They're all blending together. They're all running together. I'm going to say things today that apply to last week. I said things last week that apply to this week. Weeks one and two were the same message, just broken up into two halves, but they really go together. And this is no, it, it, it's all, a lot of times I always try to make my messages standalone messages that are good, but the, this series, it's impossible. They all run together. So just know if you haven't heard one, you got to go back and listen to it. Ambassadors for Christ. This is the message today. This is the title. This is who we are. What does it mean? What does it mean to be an ambassador? Here's the definition. Of, whoops, we're going to read the scripture first. 2 Corinthians 5.20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. The word says, you are an ambassador for Christ. This is what the word says. The word of God is true, and amen. The word of God says that you are an ambassador for Christ. Big deal. What does that mean? As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled with God. God pleading through us. We are ambassadors for Christ. All right, let's get to the definition. What's the definition of an ambassador? An ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. An accredited diplomat. You are an accredited diplomat of the country of heaven. I'm a resident of heaven. I've got an address there. I've got a house there. Jesus is building me a place. That's where I live. 
I just operate here. I'm a stranger in a strange land, Hebrews 12, 11. And if I had recalled the country that I had come out of, America, I could go back there. But I don't want to be an American anymore. I like being a heaven citizen. Anybody with me? Is there anybody else in the room that likes to be a heaven citizen? <laughs> Second definition. A person who acts as a representative or a promoter of a specific activity. Everything that Jesus did, that's what we do. That's who we are. That's what it means to be an ambassador. I represent heaven. I make decisions on heaven's behalf. It's my responsibility to bring heaven to earth. It's my privilege to bring heaven to earth. I don't have I don't have to work at this because Christ has already won it and paid for it. I simply have to step into it. All right, we just need to keep going. I attended, uh, some of you know this, I attended Regent University for my Christian, uh, you know, education, uh, uh, Christian leadership, management, teaching, Bible studies, Regent University. Regent University. So what is a regent? I love this. What is a regent? A regent is one who stands in the authority of the king until he returns. <laughs> I'm not only a... <laughs> I love that. That was great. One awesome response. That's exactly what I was looking for. I'm not only an ambassador, I'm a regent. I stand in the authority of the king. That means I make the decisions that the king would make until he comes back. He's coming back. But until he gets here, I'm the one you're going to answer to. I'm the one who's going to bring his will to bear in the earth. It's me. Yeah. It's you. You are all ambassadors for Christ. You are all regents for Christ. You stand in the place of the king until he returns. Come on. Is Jesus Christ king of kings? Yeah. 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 Are you a regent? Yeah. yeah. So you stand in the place of a king. You make the decisions of a king. You are a royal priesthood. That's a kingly priesthood. All right, let's go. Genesis 1, 26. Wait, I missed something. So what happened? What happened? How did we get here? How did we get to this place? All right, let's start at the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. I went the wrong way. Somebody help me. I told you I was in trouble today. Then God said, Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, I'm starting at the beginning. This is why we're in trouble. 18 scriptures today. I can only do four, but you guys have got great grace today. The Lord, then the Lord God said, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then the Lord God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. Dominion. The kingdom is the king's domain. Let man have dominion. Over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, all the creeping things, everything on the earth. I just dot, dot, dotted it there so I didn't have to go through the whole thing. Let man have dominion over all the earth. Then the Lord God made man, then the Lord God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, creeping things, everything that's on the earth. Have all dominion. God took Adam and Eve, he put them in the garden, and he said, here's the Garden of Eden, visual, Garden of Eden, small, here's the earth, much larger. They gave them a little bit. 
Why? Because they were only two in number, and so they could only take care of a little bit. It was God's will that they would continue to increase their domain over the entire earth. Subdue it. Subdue the earth. You've got the dominion over the whole thing. You're small in number. There's only two of you. You can only handle this little bit, but you're about to go multiply and increase and execute dominion and subdue the whole earth. This was God's plan from the beginning, that man would take over all of the earth and kick Satan out. This was God's plan. And then what happened? Adam fell. Adam fell. So Adam sinned. He surrendered the authority that he had been given to mankind. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the, wor the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sin. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. When Adam sinned in the garden, he surrendered the authority that he had been given to the enemy. When Adam sinned in the garden, he surrendered the authority that he had been given to the enemy. The Bible says in Romans 6, 16, you become, whoever you obey, you become a slave of. And so when Adam obeyed Satan and ate the apple that God told him not to eat, he, he became a slave of Satan and he surrendered all of his authority to Satan. And Satan ruled over the earth until Jesus, until the cross until the cross. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and the gift of his righteousness. For all who receive it live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. He came, Jesus came, he defeated sin, death, and the grave. He defeated Satan once and for all, and he restored the authority that was originally purposed to us by God in Genesis chapter 1. He restored it to each and every one of us who would be called a Christian. Are you a believer? Do you know Christ? You have the authority over all the earth over all the earth. That's your authority. I said this last week. I'll say it again. The larger part of the problem and why we can't take and conquer certain areas has less to do with regional principalities of darkness and more to do with a lack of understanding among the saints. See, we think that in order to go and, and, and evangelize a place for Christ, we've got to go and we've got to tear down uh, evil principalities and evil strongholds and, and evil this and evil that and the works of Satan. It, no. No. One can put 1,000 to flight and two can put 10,000 to flight. How many can 100 put to flight? 
the problem that we have has less to do with regional principalities of darkness and more to do with our lack of understanding of who we are. Hence today's message. Here we go. Who are you? <laughs> Come on, that was good. All right, so here, listen. Um, I, really, I really love, I really appreciate The Chosen, great series. There's one scene in particular that comes to mind when we start talking about this stuff. It's the, it's the scene with the, the demon-possessed man right after. I'm going to share it. If you've never seen it, that's okay. Um, it's good anyways. Um, it's the scene where the demon-possessed man comes after um, Simon the Zealot, right? right after he joins the team. And so Simon the Zealot, he's this big, you know, he's muscular, he's strong. He's a trained killer. Right? He knows all the stuff. He knows all the tactics. He's like Zach. He knows, how to, he knows the takedown moves and things. Like, don't ever get in a scruffle with this guy. And the demon guy is tiny. He's like, there's nobody in here that's small enough. And this demon guy's tiny, but he's, over, he's overpowering the big strong guy because he's using the strength of the spirit that's within him, and he's actually overpowering, and he's getting ready to kill Simon the Zealot. This all happens in the movie. Uh, the, the show. It's great. Great scene. Jesus hears the commotion. He comes running up, right? He's coming running up, and he's about 100 yards, 100 feet away. I don't know. He's a ways away. And he just says one word, out! And the demon absolutely leaves the person, and the, the, the demon-possessed man falls to the ground, and Simon gets up like, what happened? How was that possible? And what did Jesus do? He said one word, he cast them out. My Bible says he cast them out with a word. A word. So yeah, I love that scene. That's exactly who we are. This is who we are. Whatever Christ did, that's what we get to do. He cast demons out with the word. We cast demons out with the word. Casting demons out is actually really easy. Some of you are like, deer in the headlights, look, what are you talking about? It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. All right, sidebar, I brought up The Chosen. I'm going to tell you the scene that I didn't like. didn't like it at all. Season three, episode two. <laughs> I don't know why you guys think this is funny. Season three, episode two, little James comes to Jesus, and he says, why haven't you healed me? That whole conversation is off. I'm just saying that whole conversation, it's not biblical. Never once did anyone come to Jesus who wanted to be healed who wasn't healed. Not once. There's not one record of it in the Bible. Not one record of it in the Bible. Every time someone came to Jesus, they were healed. It says he healed them all. Never once is there one story where Jesus was unable to heal someone. In this clip, season three, episode two, he chooses not to heal James the Lesser. Didn't happen. Didn't happen didn't happen. A lot of the terminology that they use there in that conversation, they borrow from Paul when he's having the conversation about the thorn in his flesh. Many believe that the thorn in, thorn in his flesh, Paul's thorn in the flesh, wasn't even a physical ailment. Many believe that the thorn in Paul's flesh was the fact that he was beaten in every single city that he went to for the gospel. And that was the thorn in his flesh. Neither way, Jesus never failed to heal anybody. There was no reason that Jesus wouldn't heal somebody. So I didn't like that scene. Enough of that. <laughs> we'll shoot the rabbit. I love The Chosen. I watch it. I'm not going to stop watching it because of one bad scene or one scene that I don't theologically agree with. We'll keep going. 
Jesus came and he triumphed over sin and death and the grave, and he restored the authority to man over all the earth. God restored the authority over man to all over all the earth. We have the authority that was once given us in the garden. We have the authority that Christ had when he walked the earth. He said to us, even greater works than these will you do. I've done works. You will do greater works because I go to the Father. And so we're called to have all authority, all power, and execute our authority over all the earth. As many as call ourselves Christians, if you're in Christ, you're in him, you have the authority over all the earth. Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me. How much authority? So if I have all the authority, how much does the enemy have? None. None. It's easy math. If I have 100%, then you have 0%. We all have 100%. All Christians all have all authority. The enemy has zero. Darkness has no power over light. I'm not opening the closet door again. (laughs) Jesus... (laughs) Jesus, Jesus, through his death on the cross and bodily resurrection on the third day, reinstated the authority that was originally given to Adam. It was originally given to mankind. That same authority that he had in the garden, it's yours. It's mine. It's ours. And so we get to decide what we're going to do and what we're going to say and what we're going to believe. You have all the authority. The problem with many of us is that we choose to believe things that are not of God. We choose to receive things that are not of God. And then we wind up, we repeat things that are not of God. Sometimes we just need to shut our mouth. (laughs) Sometimes we just need to not speak. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. If you can't say anything good and godly, don't say anything at all. The Bible says that we're going to be judged for every idle word. What's an idle word? An idle word is a word that's not spoken in faith. And so if you can't speak a word that's spoken in faith, just don't say anything. Watchman Nee said in his book, The Spiritual Man, he said, uh, Christians should say nothing unless the Holy Spirit prompts them. I'm sure that that would eliminate 90% of the conversation for most of us in here. And that would be okay. (laughs) Joy. Our words are so important. Listen, both the enemy and God need our words to accomplish their will. God needs us to speak healing if we're going to see healing flow. God needs us to speak the gospel if we're going to see salvation. And the enemy needs us to speak the lies that we believe about ourselves if we're going to be disarmed. The enemy's the one that's been disarmed. The only weapon that the enemy has is his mouth because he's been disarmed and defeated. And I don't care if I'm looking like a fool up here. As long as you remember it, it was all worth the money. The enemy only weapon is his mouth because he's been disarmed and defeated. Done. Done. God, listen to this. God always restores things better than before. Amen? God's a restorer. God brings back better than before. Amen? Can I get a witness? 
any time in the Bible that we see that something was taken from somebody and God comes and restores them, it's put back better than before. Job, when he was tested and tried, he was restored. And what happened? He had twice as much as he had before. Twice as much as he had before. Peter, right? Peter, he's, he's twice as bold. He's got more wisdom. And now he's leading the brethren after he's restored, right? Paul, I saw He's out there killing Christians. God comes, God brings him back, and what happens? Now he's leading the, the missionary evangelist trips around the earth. He, God always restores better than before. I, I, it's no different. Listen, I, I'm so excited about this. In Genesis, what did, what did God say to man? He said, I give you dominion over what? All the earth. Right? Right? Can we agree upon that? Over what? All the earth. What did Jesus say? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Sorry for that. <laughs> All, I'm just a little excited. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He restores the authority back better. Are you kidding me? It's not enough. It's not enough for him to just come and give us the authority over the earth. He said, no, that's not enough. It's not enough. It's got to be better than it was before. Here's the authority of heaven too. What? Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? Not kidding. Seriously? Yeah. This is the real deal, guys. Always better. This is why the New Testament's greater than the Old Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the glory that will come is greater, so much more greater than the glory that was before. Whew, good stuff. Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Not only do we have the authority of heaven and the authority of earth, but now God gives us his Holy Spirit and his power too. I've got the authority, and now I've got the power, and I got the power. Let's go. (laughs) Police officers. We love our police officers. Thank you for all of our police officers. Police officers have authority, right? A police officer stands out in the middle of the road, and he puts up his hand like this, and he stops that car, right? How many of us are going to stop for that car? Every hand in the room is going up. Yeah, we're all going to do that. He has the authority. The, co- the police officer actually has no power to stop that car. No power. The police officer has authority to arrest someone. The police officer also has power to arrest someone, whether it's his taser or whatever other means he's got. He has power and authority. We've been given not only the authority to stop the traffic, we've been given the power to stop the traffic. So now we're like, Hulk, can we just catch the car? And be like, where do you think you're going? (laughs) Where do you think you're going? What do you think you're doing? And so we execute authority over our life. Stop, Stop putting up with the devil. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. So when you resist... He has no choice but to flee. Why? Because the word says so. 
because I've been given power, because I've been given authority. Now, I don't have authority over the whole world. I have authority over my house. I have authority over this house. I have authority in, in all of your lives to a degree. Baby Christians, I have more authority over. More mature Christians, you got to get some authority for yourselves and execute authority on your own because we've all been given the authority. Let's see how far we can get. This is fun. Luke 10, 17 through 20. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over the power of the enemy, and nothing but shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. We get all this authority. That's not even the best part. That's just, it's actually just a, it's just like a sidebar. It's just something we get to do in the meantime to pass the time until we get to go to heaven to be with Jesus. But it's fun. It sounds like fun. It is fun. The 70 returned with joy, saying, even the demons are subject to us in your name. At this point, Jesus is sharing his authority with his disciples. He'll come later and he'll share all the authority with everyone who would ever be named a Christian. Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and, will, and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will shall, shall follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Are you a believer? Are you seeing these signs in your life? You should be. If there's not, there's a disconnect. If there's not, we need to ask why. And so I share all of this with you, not because I want you to go out, run out of here and be an exorcist. That's not the point. I know I'm bringing up demon things a lot. But what I'm really getting at today is what does the devil say to you you have the authority to cast those thoughts out and believe what the word says over your life. We need to stop believing what the enemy has told us and we need to start believing what the Lord has told us. And then our words need to line up with our thoughts and then when our heart lines up with our thoughts and with our words, then we will have what we ask for. Here's the power of proclam proclamation. Here's the power of declaration, listen. Right? There's, there's this thing, you know, <laughs> I believe I receive, I believe I receive, right? No, 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 no. There's the power of declaration. I am a child of God. I am loved by God. I have all my needs met through God. You can have all of your needs met through God. Part of it, there's, it's a three-part declaration. We declare with our words, I have all my needs met through God. We believe it in our mind. You have to know it here. You have to speak it here, but it has to be real here in your heart. You have to speak it here, you have to know it here, and you have to believe it here. So it's word, thought, and heart. Word, thought, and heart. When all three are in agreement, you'll have what you ask. Ask anything in my name. Jesus said, ask anything in my name, and it'll be given to you. 
is that there should be no lack within the body of Christ. Part of our lack is because of prayerlessness. Part of our lack is because we don't ask God. But part of our lack is because we don't understand how to get it. We need all three. We need to say it with our mouth. We need to know it in our mind. We need to believe it in our heart. When those three things are in agreement, we'll have what we're asking for every single time. You know, I keep believing and asking for claiming the Ferrari. I drive a Ferrari. I drive a Ferrari. I drive a Ferrari. You know, that thing just doesn't show up. You know why? Because I can't get it to be believed here. <laughs> I can believe it here because God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The gold is his. The silver is his. It's all his. I can say it here, but I don't believe it here. I don't believe that God wants me driving that car. So don't go buy me one. I can't even afford the oil change. <laughs> As a believer, we should be seeing all of these signs. The oil change on a Bugatti is something like twenty-five or $40,000. I'm like, are you kidding me? For what? It's just stupid. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> I'm not even taking it back. I forget what I was saying. Are you a believer? <laughs> Come on. Are you, a, are you a believer? Are you a believer? Is there any believers in the house? Yeah. Are you a believer? Yeah. Are you seeing these signs in your life? The, the signs and miracles and wonders. We've been seeing healings in the house. We've even heard reports of people being delivered in the house of demonic oppression. Right? So we've been seeing these things. It's about to go out into the streets. It's about to go out in the, into the highways, the byways, your workplaces, the cafes, the, the grocery stores, every place that you set your foot, it's about to go there. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Every, authority everywhere I go. God's given me the city of Troy. It's my city. It might be your city too, but it's my city. And so I take authority over the city of Troy, and I begin, I, I go on prayer walks, I go on prayer drives. You might see me sitting downtown at a cafe, just drinking coffee all by myself, or in or at Mocha Blood all the time, but <laughs> downtown too. But it's my city. It's my, it's, and I'm taking authority. And it might take a little while. But I've got a few years left. And so as long as I'm here, that's my city. I'm going after it. And I won't be dissuaded. I won't be, I won't be turned aside. I've set my mind. I've set my face like Flint. Troy is going to be God's house. Amen. Glory to God. Luke 10, 8 and 9. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such thing as set before you and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So there's two instructions here. He says, number one, heal the sick there. And then he says, preach the kingdom, which is the gospel. Preach the kingdom, preach the gospel. Notice he doesn't say to pray for the sick. He says, heal the sick. Well, I'm not a healer. I know, but that's not what he told me to do. He didn't tell me to pray. He told me to heal. And so part of what we teach when we're doing our healing class, for those that are on the healing prayer team, is that we have authority. Yes, we will pray, right? Because prayers, it says in James, you can pray. But here he says, heal the sick. And so I will often just command sickness to go. I will command healing to come. Why? Because I've been given authority in Christ. This is what Jesus did. This is how Jesus did it. And he told me to do it the same way that he did it. As a matter of fact, he said that I'm his ambassador. He said that I stand in the place of his authority until I return. 
So when I am praying for somebody, somebody comes and they want healing, I will just stand there and I will command sickness to go in Jesus' name. Healing come in Jesus' name. I didn't pray for that. I didn't ask for that. I commanded it. Why? Because I have the authority there. We need to understand the place of authority that we stand in. There are things that God will not do without us. We can't do God's part. You're not God. He, we're going to get crazy in a minute. But you're still not God. I'm just letting you know. You're not God. <laughs> so there's things that you can't do. You can't save anybody. You don't actually heal anybody. But he told you to. We'll figure out how this works in just a second. And you can't actually cast out a demon, although he told you to do that too. There are things that God does that we can't do. But there are things that we need to do that God won't do. It's not that God can't do it. It's that he's made the decision not to do it. Why? Because he, he believes in the great commission, co-mission. We do it together. He actually believes in the great co-mission better than we do. He actually, it, it, he doesn't want to do it by himself. He wants to do it with you. God has this thing. He's figured out that, um, because it, tell, it tells us in our word that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Can I get a witness? Right? That's, that's there. Amen. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Have you, has anyone here ever received? You don't have to raise your hand. Has anyone here ever received benevolence? Well, that's nice. Has anyone ever given benevolence to somebody? Has anybody ever been on both sides of the equation? I have. I'll tell you which one's better. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. There's a corresponding equation that says it's more blessed to serve than to be served. Has there any ever... ever is there... Is there anybody here who has ever need, been injured or whatever? You needed somebody to come and shovel your driveway. You don't have to raise your hand. Is there anybody here who ever, you've ever just stopped and been like, I'm going to shovel this person's driveway? You're serving instead of being served. It's more blessed to serve than it is to be served. There's another corresponding equation. It's more blessed to heal than it is to be healed. It's more blessed to preach the gospel and see someone saved than it is to be saved. What? Have you ever led somebody to Christ? It's a thrill, guys. It's more blessed to cast a demon out of somebody than to have a demon cast out of you. Can I get a witness? Nobody taken on that one. Okay. It's all good. It's a commission. We get to do it together. God's figured this out. And so... We'll start with giving. That's something we all do. We are something we all understand. The demon thing, no, maybe not. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And God could give a million dollars into Fred's account today, no problem. But God's figured out that it's more fun and he can bless multiple people. If he first gives the million dollars to Zach, and then Zach finds out that Fred needs the million dollars. And then Zach can give Fred the million dollars. Now Fred's blessed and Zach's blessed. And God's just like, I did that. That's awesome. Look at this. <laughs> it's not just one person getting blessed. It's two people getting blessed. And he wants to so include us in the process 
that he restrains himself and he says, listen, I'm not preaching the gospel anymore. I came, I was there for three years, I preached the gospel, I gave it to my disciples, and now they go and they're preaching the gospel. And so God will not come down and, and, and be, he's not coming back and being like, I'm going to preach the gospel and get all these people saved and then you, the, we'll add them to your church. No, no, that's not going to happen. So stop waiting for that. He may supernaturally move and, and move on people's hearts that come to the church. And then I've got to say, yabba-dabba-da, and then they'll get saved and then they'll be added to the church. But I still have my part to play. God doesn't do stuff apart from us. He only does it with us. He doesn't save apart from us. He doesn't heal apart from us. He doesn't cast out demons apart from us. All kinds of scriptural precedents for this. I'm not just making this up. We have to be the ones to go and preach, and he'll save. We have to be the ones to go and heal, and then he empowers us with his, with his healing. We have to be the ones to go and cast out demons, and then he empowers us with the power to be able to cast out the demons. It's all him. We just get to, be, we just get to play in the process. It's his sandbox and his sand and his shovels and his pails, and I just get to go and play, and it's fun. We can't do God's part, and God won't do our part. Yeah. It's a commission. We get to do it together. But God, who is grace and mercy, because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together, that we may sit together in the heavenly places with Christ. We are seated in the heavenly places with Christ. Ephesians 1 says that Christ is seated at God's right hand. We're going to read it here in a moment. Christ is seated at God's right hand. And we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. So we're seated at God's right hand. <sighs> I'm just telling you what the word says about me. It can get... Yeah, it can get to be a mental workout like, well, who am I? Wait, what, what is man that you are mindful of him? Who are we that you've positioned us in heaven to sit at the right hand of the throne of God? Me, what? Are you kidding me? Yes, you. We have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. Some of you, I, I think it's on your Engage card this week. Read the book of Ephesians. Some of you need to read the book of Ephesians. And when it says, raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places, read it and say, raised Matthew up together and made Matthew sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Put your own name in there and start believing it. I'm seated in heaven. For real. Until it gets into your think, think, thick, thick noggin, right? Some, some of us, it takes a little while to get in. Jesus has seated me, God has seated me in, heaven, in the heavenly places with Christ. Yeah. With Christ. With Christ. Yeah. God gave Joshua, it says, every place that he set his foot, Right? And will not the New Testament be even greater than the last? And so every place I set my foot, I believe the authority of God. I have. I have the authority of God everywhere as I go. 
And so there's never a moment in time where I'm afraid of anything that's around me because I know that the greater one lives inside of me. When Joshua went into the promised land, they marched around Jericho for six days and they were silent. You know why? I don't know why, but I can guess why. I have an idea why. Because what kept them out of the promised land 40 years ago? It was a bad report. Someone said something. 40 years ago, 12 spies went in, 10 came back and gave a bad report. The good report of Joshua and Caleb weren't enough to overcome the 10 bad reports. And so now, 40 years later, they're going to go in and take the promised land again. And God said to the Israelites, you're going in, you're going to keep your mouth shut. There will be no bad report because nobody's going to say anything. You go in, you walk around that city silent for six days. No words. Not a peep. I don't want to hear how big the walls are. I don't want to hear how big the giants are. You're not looking at them. Keep your eyes on me. Walk around the city quiet. And then on the seventh day, come on, after they marched around the city seven times, now you can shout the victory shout of your God and those walls come falling down. And so God has given us authority, but sometimes we got to shut our mouth and not say the wrong thing. God has given us the authority, but we got to keep our mouth quiet and not speak the words of the enemy. We need to speak the words of truth over our life. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am made in his image. I'm beautiful. I'm marvelous. I'm fantastic. I mean, so are all of you, but that's what the word says about me. Do you believe it? Have you convinced yourself yet? Sometimes you got to talk to yourself. Well, I listened to a message. This guy who wrote a book is entitled, You're Crazy If You Don't Talk to Yourself. We all talk to ourselves. We all have this internal conversation going on in our mind. What is yours? Make it something good. I found something good. All right, Ephesians 1, 3, and 5. We're, we're nearing the end, I promise. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly realm. What? Are you kidding me? You're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. What is that? I don't even know. I don't even know. Because we are united with Christ, God decided in advance to adopt us in his own family, bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted us, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him pleasure. We are adopted as sons and daughters of God. First John 3, 1 and 2, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God. Somebody say, I am a child of God. All you men say, I am a son of God. All you ladies say, I am a daughter of God. I I have a question. If you're a son of God and Jesus is the son of God, if you're a daughter of God, if you're a son of God and Jesus is the son of God, does that make us brothers? Wait a minute. Who am I? Who am I? I'm a child of God. I don't know who I am, but I know who God says I am. And why did God give me this? I don't know, but I'm going to use it to the fullest extent. I'm not going to sit around and wait. Psalm 139, verse 5. Nope. 
Psalm 139, I think it's verse 12. It says, there are books in heaven written about my life. It's been pretty boring up to now, but it heats up in the next chapter because I just figured out who I am, and I'm going to begin to walk with the fullness of the authority that God has given me. And we're going to see cities change for Christ. Come on. This can get heretical. We can get into this crazy place, megalomania. But, but I think for too long we've thought too small in the opposite direction. We've thought too small in the opposite direction. I'm a nobody. I'm a this. I'm a that. I'm a no. You are a child of God. You are a daughter of God. You are a son of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're beautiful. You're fantastic. You're dynamic. You're special. Only you can be you. And if you don't be you, you're robbing the world of your gift. You're robbing the world of your gift. Don't rob me. This is next week's message. I try not to get into it, but I don't know. All right. Ephesians 1, uh, 18 uh, through 21. I don't have time to read it today through 23. Go home and read it. Read it in the Amplified if you can. Ephesians 1, 18 through 23. Read it in the Amplified. There is so much here. But it's here. Just read Ephesians. It's on your card. Check the box. Read Ephesians. There is so much that God has for us. We are, we, are the, we are the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. He's the head. We're the hands. We're the feet. We're the mouthpiece. We're everything else. And we're seated in, in heavenly places with him. We are the body of Christ. I want to take communion today. I'm going to call the piano player up, and I'm going to call my wife up. And I want to take communion today. So communion is a very powerful time when we can come to the Lord and we can repent of wrong thinking that we've had and replace it with right thinking. Today's message, the series of messages that we've been talking about here, what is man, it's all about right and wrong thinking. It's all about right and wrong thinking. And so we need to just come to a place where we clear out all wrong thinking and we bring in right thinking. And so I want to take communion today as a body so that we have an opportunity here in the presence of God. I just want to take a moment. Piano can start whenever you're ready. I want to take a moment in the presence of God while we're here to just take a moment of time where the Spirit of God is flowing in the room and the Spirit of God can minister and the Spirit of God wants to help you get rid of wrong thoughts. The Spirit of God wants to help you get rid of wrong thinking. But you have to do the work. You have to surrender. God won't take things that you're not willing to let go of. You have to be willing to let it go. And so we've been doing this communion booklet and Earlier this week, we read this one, and I said to my wife, that goes in line perfectly with the message. I want you to read it today. And so we're going to read this portion from this communion book, and we're going to take communion together. So as we do this, just begin to reflect, begin to think. Pastor Stacy's going to read, and as she does that, just be mindful started taking communion every day um, and this was one that we read the other day 
And so there's a part where we take the body, and then you'll say, I take your blood. Um, and so you'll be able to just go along and know when to take each piece. It's not long. Your sacrifice on the cross, Jesus, grafted me into the family of God forever. I am one of God's children with all of the authority and identity that that brings. Because of your death and resurrection, Thank you that we're grafted into the family of God forever. Never to be separated from you. That we are your children. That we have the authority and the identity because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. today I take your body that was so broken so that I could be claimed as a co-heir with you. is no longer in opposition to God's purpose, but directly in line with his vision, protection, and empowerment. So we take your blood, Lord. We thank you that it covers us and it merges our lives with yours. us directly in line with your vision, with your protection, and with your empowerment. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So come on, just say this with me. I have the provision of God. I have the protection of God. 
I have the empowerment of God. I have the provision of God. I have the protection of God. I have the empowerment of God. If God be for you, who can be against you? No one. God is for you. God is 100% for you. God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. No one can stand against you. No one can stand against you. Nothing can stand against you. Nothing can take you out. Father, today we come and we, we commit to surrendering wrong thinking. God, all throughout the week, if you put your finger on something, if you bring something to mind, God, help us to be quick to surrender wrong thinking. And God, help us to replace it with a thought of yours. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am made in his image. I have all that I need through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am a child of God. I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. I am who God made me to be. And nothing the enemy says can stop me from being who I am. you're here today, you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I want to invite you to do that today. Maybe you're here today, maybe somebody invited you, maybe somebody brought you, you've never asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life. You don't know what it is to have a relationship with Christ. You don't know what it is to live with him. I want to invite you to do that today. Jesus Christ came to earth to pay for your sins and for mine. He died upon the cross for our sins. He poured out his blood for us. And we have the right. We have the privilege to have this relationship with him now for the rest of our lives, to walk in the authority that I described today for the rest of our lives. And to go to heaven when it's our time to leave. It's all ours. If that's you today and you want to make the decision to follow Christ today, I want to ask you to just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I am a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, that you would come and live inside my heart. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. I believe you are the Son of God. You died upon the cross for my sins. You suffered, died, and were buried. On the third day you rose again and are seated at the right hand of God. If you just prayed that prayer, you just got introduced to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Check your engage card. It says, today I follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for the first time. If you check that box, I'm going to mail you some information that describes the decision that you made and what your next steps are in following Christ. If that's you, we celebrate with you. The Bible says that 
all of heaven celebrates more over one person who comes to repentance than 99 just persons who don't need it. And so us being here today, having this Holy Ghost party and having all of this worship and everything, that was fantastic. But better than all of that would be if just one person were to give their life to Christ today. And so if that's you, check that box. I'll mail you some information. While we're here, uh, for sake of time, I'm just going to receive the offering this morning. And so um, we always do this at the end. So you guys are probably already prepared to give. But if not, just get prepared to give. There's multiple ways to give here at Redeeming Love. There are cards in the seat back in front of you that describe the multiple different ways of giving online, uh, through our website, through from Facebook. It's all there. There's an app. Uh, card check, checks, uh, There's envelopes in the seat backs. You guys are wonderful, wonderful, wonderful givers. We love you guys. We love how much you give. Uh, we love what we're able to do as a church because of your giving. Amen? The glory of God is seen through your giving. And so uh, I don't need to encourage you any more than that. So let's just uh, pray and we'll receive the offering. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that you bless every giver this morning. God, I pray that you bless them, that you bless them, that you bless them, that you return to their account. And Lord, I pray that the money that comes in, God, I pray that you multiply it so that we as the church can do more for your kingdom. God, because you've multiplied the offering, God, we want to do more for your kingdom. We want to see the glory of God go throughout the entire city of Troy to touch every heart, every person, all the surrounding areas, Lord. Touch them, Lord, by your glory and through your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Ushers, you can receive that. If you're here today and you want prayer, if you need prayer for healing or prayer for any other reason, uh, there will be uh, people available for prayer underneath the screens on the left and on the right. So avail yourself of that. We love to pray. Uh, we have testimonies after testimonies after testimonies of people who have been healed, and there's more coming in every day. So avail yourself of that. We look forward to seeing you guys next week. Be praying about who you will invite for Easter. Two services, 9 and 11. Get your family here. Get your friends here. More than anything on Easter, people believe that they should be in church. So take opportunity and get them here. Amen? All right, guys. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.